Hello and welcome to another episode of Cut to Reveal, the podcast where we talk about the editing art form and all the hurdles of that career path. Um, if you've been paying attention, then you know that we have completed episode, not episode, but season one. Um, and so we have a couple extra episodes that we wanted to share with you also, including this one. So it's kind of like our gift to you for Christmas, Hanukkah, any holiday that you celebrate in this time of year. So <laughs> you're welcome. Um, I'm Ricky, as always, and with me is Peter. Hey, hey everyone. So today we talk to Daisha Broadway, the editor of uh, upcoming film, I Wanna Dance With Somebody, about the life of Whitney Houston. Daisha is an Emmy Award winner. She won an Emmy, a primetime Emmy, for her work on a Black Lady sketch show. And she's also worked on uh, HBO's Insecure. I did not talk with her, but Peter did. And she is a very fun person to talk to, very easy to talk to. And so yes. it really comes through on in this interview, which... We Very will friendly. show you right now. Yeah. Yeah. So as it goes, let's roll the tape. I want to know what made you fall in love with editing. I think I fell in love with editing just from watching films and being obsessed with films uh i was very into like robert zemeckis films growing up because i grew up in the like early 90s and i was always like intrigued by sort of the, the juxtaposition of you know technical knowledge and creative um, ability and i liked that you could use both because i have a very like middle left right brain and like I, it just it was like a great way for me to sort of express myself and tell stories was uh through filmmaking but i actually learned more about editing in uh college um and just from shooting you know my friends in high school like just running around with the camera and going home and like putting it all in like Sony Vegas or something that I had on my computer and like, and putting it together and sometimes like using two uh, VCRs to, to edit, like, <laughs> like record, stop and record. I always found it the most fascinating part of storytelling because you really could just change anything you wanted to in the last minute um, using whatever footage you shot, you know, it didn't necessarily have to be, exactly how you shot it you could change it in the edit and so i always found that fascinating mm -hmm. so you you were shooting like ideas that your friends had or were there your short films there were i think we had an english class and the teacher had us read king arthur like the story of king arthur and um and then and then she made us go she's like go make a movie about king arthur And uh, we were like, really? what? Uh, yeah, but we had to write it. And so I wrote a script about King Arthur and like made it sort of modern and went with my group of classmates to the beach and we shot it. And I noticed I was I was not a filmmaker. I was, <laughs> was like editing it in camera. So I would like turn to one person and go, "Okay, you say the line. And now you say the line. Like I was like cutting it while shooting it. So it was crazy, but, um, and then it was fun because then I would go back home and I would use like, uh, you could just edit straight on the camera and then into the VCR. Um, so I did, I, I wrote a little bit of crappy dialogue for my friends to say. And, and I won an award, best director. <laughs> wow. in, my, in my English class, I won, won best director and best film. But I think it's because I went above and beyond and we went to the beach and it was cool. We had like really, wow. we had like, you know, 
It was cinematic. <laughs> it's like the 10th grade or something. First of all, a great teacher. Great teacher. She was great. And, uh, yeah. yeah, she was great. Yeah. And second, like you said that, that you were, you were editing in a, in camera, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's the way people do it these days. That's the way people learn uh, editing these days as well with like, you know, TikTok and uh, YouTube shorts and things yeah. like that. Because basically when you create them, you also edit in camera. Right. right. So uh, I think like, at least, you know, I, my thinking always is that editing is like another skill uh, that will become something that most people know how to do to some extent, at least like, you know, like writing, like a few hundred years ago, like barely, you know, there were like very few people who knew how to write. Right. And these days, like everyone does, um, 20 years ago, very few people knew how to edit pictures right? Mm -hmm, with Photoshop mm -hmm. or things like that. These days, like everyone now knows how to do like basic photo editing. And I think it's only a matter of time, like with things like TikTok, YouTube shorts, like things like this, the, that like people will know the basics of editing uh, to some extent. Yeah. But I think it's like, it's more like, will they know, will they know that they know, you know? Because <laughs> I think that some people still think, like confuse visual effects with editing and you know there's, there's that's true different things i like um where there's like people have picked up on what a match cut is because of tiktok you know because they're like oh you could do this and and then but you'll see like a lot of comments about something that had clear like graphics and vfx in it and they're like yo the editing and it's like that was I was like, the editing was part of that, but the thing you're commenting on is actually the visual effects, <laughs> which were great, you know? <laughs> but so I think that clarity will come from like, because, you know, there's still, I still have family members that just think I'm a producer, you know, like, <laughs> just like, yeah, she, pro yeah, yeah, she yeah. produces TV shows. And I'm like, I edit TV shows, you know, like that type of thing. So I think that the clarity will come from really understanding what the craft is. And, um, but everyone will know sort of how to do it. I think, yeah. There is this like Dunning-Kruger effect, which which shows you how your, your level of confidence with the level of competence, right? So basically, once you have like very little competence, your level of confidence is very high, right? And only once you get like, when you once you become more competent, sorry, your confidence level like dramatically drops <laughs> because you know... <laughs> Then you realize, then you realize that there is so much things you have to learn and that you are just not aware. Right. The ignorance was helpful. <laughs> and then the ignorance was helpful. And then, yeah. And then it became, oh no, this is too much. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Desha, I, I want to ask you about becoming, uh, because like we'll talk a little bit about your upcoming film, right? Um, I want to dance with, with somebody, right? Um, but you are basically a television editor. So I want to ask you about that transition. Because I guess it was a transition for you, right? So first of all, like, how did it feel? What was different? And secondly, how did you make that transition? I honestly, I don't know how I made that transition. <laughs> I was, I met with Casey Lemons, who's the director of I'm Gonna Dance with Somebody. And I was a big fan of hers because I was, I was a huge, like Eve's Bayou was a film that I saw in college. And it, it's, she, that movie is the reason why I have like a friend of mine who's like my best friend to this day. It's because we met in college and we bonded over that film, like how crazy it was. And it was great. Um, so it was, it was kind of surreal to even meet Casey and to be talking about possibly working together. I was like, what is, you know, what is this? I did. I, I worked in television for a long time. I still love working in television. I will likely go back to working in television. I don't, 
I don't want to uh, stop working in television because now I make films or something like that. I want to do both. I'm very, uh, it's hard for me to pick one thing to do. <laughs> um, but, and and I'm usually, I usually do comedies and I want to dance with somebody. It's not a comedy. It's very much not a comedy. Um, so yeah, it's very, it was, it was about telling a story, you know, and no matter what the genre, I feel like this, the storytelling is what, what you're there to do. And as an editor, I'm there to try to tell the best version of the story possible um, and make things clear and emotional and, you know, tragic and add levity when it's necessary when I feel like it's good. And I, I didn't necessarily like seek it out. I met with Casey. I interviewed for the job. I was getting dressed for the Emmys because uh, myself and uh, Jessica Hernandez and Stephanie Philo were nominated for an Emmy that night. So I was getting dressed and my friends were helping me and I got a text message from my agent and it was like, you got the Whitney thing. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I got the, but I couldn't think about it because I... I wanted the job. I, after talking to Casey, I wanted the job. At first, I wasn't necessarily sure what this movie was going to be. And I was kind of like, does there need to be another Whitney movie? And then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? There hasn't been a Whitney movie like this, like on this scale. There hasn't been this like deep dive into Whitney. And um, and I so, so getting the text, I was like, oh, I can't think about this right now. And I like threw my phone on the bed because I had to go to the Emmys. And I was like, what if I win? What if I lose? Like, that's, that's where my head was. And then we won, which was amazing. And and then I went back to the room and texted my agent and said, that's great. <laughs> I would love to do that. <laughs> but think, what a day. What an insane, insane day. I, I, I won an Emmy for the first time and locked a gig with Casey Lemons about Whitney Houston. It was just very surreal. <laughs> yeah. Wow. On top of the world. <laughs> yeah, but also just like you said, just completely nerve-wracked about the, about the whole thing because now it became, oh, now I have to do a movie about Whitney. <laughs> now it's like, oh, I'm like, I have That's to a like, huge yeah. responsibility. So much pressure. So much pressure. Yeah, like many people will see it. That's for sure. <laughs> I hope so. I hope people go into it with an open mind because I know that there's a lot of talk about, uh, you know, Naomi doesn't look exactly like Whitney Houston. And so that might take some people out of it. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, we've shown it to so many test audiences and they absolutely fall in love with Naomi because she completely just embodied Whitney you know it's she's she's not mimicking her she just kind of becomes her um and I think about like my favorite biopics like Angela Bassett didn't look like Tina Turner but she became Tina Turner you know and and it's what made it's what made her performance so passionate and um powerful so I just hope people go with you know an open mind because it's a really great great performance I don't think it's like you have to have like a very, very similar person, like at least like physically um, to play the role. I think the more important aspect is like to, to make the person relatable, uh, the character relatable to the audience. At least I don't know. That's, that has always been my impression. Like I, for, I, 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 the example I have is like uh, Elvis. I've seen Elvis like two weeks ago and uh, the actor actually does look like Elvis, like, 
quite quite a lot like but but i don't know for me at least like emotionally i didn't connect with elvis that much in that film so for for example for me that was a much bigger problem than i would have if like elvis wouldn't look like elvis at all like sure. a problem for me yeah and i and i think that ultimately that's the that's the goal like you know it's it's like you i didn't know whitney houston you didn't know whitney houston um, she was a, an icon and someone who had fans all over the world who might feel like they knew Whitney Houston, even though they never met her, <laughs> you know? So it's like, it's like, there's that pressure of like making them feel like they're watching someone that they think they know, but everyone has a different interpretation of what that is. So you can't make everyone happy in that respect. So all we could do as filmmakers is, you know, take Whitney the icon and make her Whitney the human being, someone that you can connect to, someone that you can relate to and sort of under, try to understand her a little bit more as a person, as a mother, as a daughter, um, as, you know, as a wife, as, as a best friend, um, as someone with flaws and who, you know, died tragically, but also lived beautifully, you know? So it's like that the goal is to just try to make sure, you know, tell her story and and put some respect on her name to be honest because she deserves it yeah yeah you know that the most valuable asset i guess she had was her voice right so mm-hmm. you're using like you know the, the the songs she's kind of like playback right so you, you have like the original songs in the in the movie right is it right because that was my impression when watching the trailer right because yeah. you can't have like it, you know, like like the actor the actor performing the songs. It wouldn't make sense. You couldn't like fake it, right? So, uh, so like, what what was the workflow when it comes to that? Like when you when it comes to all of the performances, so the, the the music performances in the film. I don't know. Was it basically like play played back uh, for the actors uh, on the set? Did you have to like work? work on that, like, I don't know, like a temp song or something like that when editing? How did it look like? There was a plan way ahead of time, a year before, I think even, I think John Warhurst, who is our uh, sound supervisor, mm-hmm. but also music editor. I don't know. I, I, I told him he has like seven different jobs on the film. <laughs> um, but it's because he he had already planned to have the music mixed a certain way. And for Naomi, because Naomi Aki can sing in Whitney's register. Um, so that was very, very helpful. She can't do the Whitney high notes, right? Because no one can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, <no one> <laughs> but Naomi can sing in her register. So there's a good blend of both voices in the film. And when we've shown the film to people, they're like, is she singing or is it Whitney? Like, you can't tell. Um, it's it's really impressive. Yeah. So by the time I came on to edit it, there was already a plan of like how they were going to do the musical performances and blend, uh, blend the voices because you really can't, you really can't tell if it's Naomi or you can't tell if it's Whitney, but you will hear Whitney singing in the film and belting those notes because there, no one can do it like Whitney. Um, yeah. So there was playback on set. And I, I got all of that track. I got all those tracks in the Avid before I even started. They were already ready, prepared and ready for me. Um, so I was able to cut using the same tracks that were played back on set. 
And it was good because Naomi was singing live. And so that's why you see like the veins popping out of her neck. Like she's really, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she's really going for it. <laughs> so, but that's, that's important. It's important because you need to, to feel like she's singing. Yeah. And, um, and she, it's because she was, she was, she was singing. Um, she probably killed me if I ever released the tapes, but she was singing <laughs> and she was great. She was great. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can imagine. I guess with a story like this, it's also a huge, like that, that the duration of the movie is also like something that you have to discuss in the editing room, right? I'm just wondering, like, how long the editor's cut was, the first editor's cut. And like, what, what did you have to cut out? So much. Um, <laughs> the script was very long. It was, very, it was, it was a lot of pages and, um, not all of the lyrics were written in the script, and, but it would just be like musical performance. And so in my head, I'm like, okay, I have to tackle in like three minutes to this right here. Um, the editor's cut was around four hours, um, 30 something minutes, something like that. Wow. Yeah. And I think right now without credits, the film is two hours and 16 minutes. There were some things that we knew we could cut immediately while we were working on the director's cut. You know, there were um, some sort of like E and F stories that we were like, okay, we can't tell that story. We can't, we can't, we have to, once we decided to focus it and make sure we were following Whitney throughout the entire film, then things started to sort of fall away and goes, okay, we don't need this. We don't need this. If it's not, if it's not following her, if it's not getting us in her head, we can we can drop this scene off. We can drop that scene off. Um, and then yeah, I I don't know. It, it was it was it's definitely a different film uh, from what we started with. <laughs> but that's just you know part of the process is getting it down and focusing the story as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you have such a huge story, a well, life's story, basically. Uh, yeah, it's the it's the question of story economy, I guess, right? Where where you where you have to like judge every scene and every moment through that perspective of the story co- coherency, if it makes sense to make it real relatable to to you know to the audience and things like that. Do you recall any like editing choices that you had to make to 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 maybe switch things around a little bit to make basically the the story as as quickly in the movie as possible to make her character like, you know, Mm -hmm. relatable, likable. There's quite a few things actually, because uh, the way I kind of looked at the film was, uh, I think Matt Jackson says this all the time, but she was like a fighter in a ring. And I'm like, well, every fighter needs a training montage. (laughs) You know, she needs, because the training montage sort of like makes the audience feel like they worked for it. You know, like they had to like, they had to, you know, overcome some things and and train really hard to get there. Um, so the problem with Whitney is she was born with this talent. <laughs> and um, she was definitely trained by her mother how to use it and how to control her voice and things like that. Um, but once by the time she meets Clive Davis, she's a star, you know. So it's like, how do you how do you make that? she didn't have a rags to riches story. She didn't have like an underdog story that most people gravitate to and like they latch on to and they're like, yeah, I can, you know, I can relate to that. She didn't have that kind of story. So there were, there were, you know, I had to create 
uh, a sort of training montage in which she, you see her picking songs with Clive and going, okay, I don't want to do this. I want to do that. And just, you know, really digging into making her first album so that you can see sort of the genius at work and see like how, how she picks songs and what she thought of them. And, um, and they're all big hits. So it's like great little moments where you'll drop in a, a track and the audience will be like, Oh, I remember that song. And then I take it away. Okay, we're moving on to the next song, moving on to the next one. And oh, do I want to use it? She's like, no, I don't want to do that one. Okay, I like this. I want it. So you kind of see her, the way she thinks and the way she works. And then so, you know, in in seeing that when the album is a success, then you feel a little happier for her. You feel like, okay, like you did that. You know, she maybe is compromising a little bit of herself because she's doing this pop music that she doesn't even really, you know, she's like, she's a girl from New Jersey. Um, but if, but if you see her going through the process then that helps with the, the success, it helps when you, when you see her happy and joyous and it's like, okay, cause she put all of this in and she sacrificed a lot to do it. Um, so there were, yeah, scenes that it was for her. Yeah. And there, there were scenes that weren't scripted that I just created with the footage. It was like, okay, I need to know what she's thinking in this moment and we don't have the footage. <laughs> so, uh, so there's a, there's a whole scene towards the end that I just built with footage that I just had of Naomi just looking in a certain direction. And then, so you start to hear, hear the things that are uh, going through her head and that allows you to sort of connect with her a little bit more that and just, staying on her like staying on her face and not cutting away from her and just letting her play out the moments and letting the audience see her face change as she hears things and you know those type of things help the audience sort of connect with what she might be feeling and going through mm -hmm. when did you suggest uh, those you know like additional scenes that's a great question <laughs> well one of them The training montage, I sort of suggested in the director's cut, like early on before the producers had seen it. Um, and I got shot down. And then later in the process, you know, we're trying to figure out what's, what's stopping the, the pace of the beginning of the movie. I'm like, we're not moving forward. We need to move forward. And I was like, you know, what about that training montage? <laughs> I keep calling it a training montage. It's not a training montage, but it's, it's, I was like, we just, I need to see her create this album before her song is on the radio, before it becomes this big, you know? And so then I want it, then I tried it and then I want it, you know, that type of thing. Um, and then, and then the other scene, um, was kind of born of necessity because we were getting close to locking the film and there's still that little, that little piece of motivation missing. You know, it was like, we have these great scenes, but there's not, we need to be able to connect them better. We need to understand why she's going from scene A to scene C. We need scene B that really like gets you there. And I didn't pitch it. I was up at three in the morning, I think. And I was just like, I'm going to try it. And so I just went on my computer and, you know, we were working in Santa Monica and we kind of had a crisis of the ending. It was like, what do we do about the ending? And I was like, okay. So I just went and tried it and cut it together and grabbed some like stock footage and, 
you know, did some temp VFX to like make the scene feel like an actual scene because it really just was footage that I had. And I, I showed it to Casey the next day and she's very, she was very emotional and moved because she was like, you solved it. You solved it. Like that's, that's what we were missing. We were just missing that, you know, piece. And then it became, okay, great. Casey likes it. Now everyone else has to like it. <laughs> so, so then it was like, you know, everyone else has to watch it and sign off on it and do all these things. But, but, you know, there is, it's, it's very delicate how you have to approach it. And I think you have to know your director and you have to have a, a good relationship with them and know when is the right time to sort of suggest things. And I think me and Casey ended up with a really good rapport and a really good trust in each other. We didn't always agree on everything. Um, we bickered like sitter, like sisters sometimes, <laughs> but it was good because it was like that. That's how the creativity sort of came out. I was like, oh, you know what? It's not this. It's this. This is what we're trying to get out. Um, so yeah, I think it's healthy not to be like you know um, always on the same page between the director and the and an editor. Like if if there is trust built between the two parties, right? If you trust each other and you know that both of you just want to make the story best, then having that like like argument, so to speak, where like both parties know both sides know that it's not about like not not liking someone. Like if you still like like yourself, you, you, you respect each other and things like that, but you just care about the story so much that you have to like have that argument about something. I think it's always just just the best, actually. I think that that's And there's there's that extra layer of 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 Whitney Houston. No, <laughs> like that's the that's the other thing. I think on any TV show or any film you work on, you have those arguments with each other because you care about the story and you you're passionate about it. And you're, you you just want to make the best version of this possible because once we're done, this film just lives forever, right? <laughs> and so I'm like, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't. She doesn't want to make a mistake. And then the added pressure to that is the film is about Whitney Houston. I was like, oh, so on. So all the other decisions we make are about that too it's like well i can't do that we can't we can't change that to be about that because maybe that wasn't whitney or i would look up an interview like i researched a lot and watched every interview i could get my hands on and in my head i'm like she wouldn't do that because i remember her saying you know <laughs> why i see it's like there's an interview where whitney said she thought she was going to be a veterinarian you, you know she she wanted to do something else and then she ended up doing this and so it's like we can't pretend she wanted to do something else when she was a child we can't you know change those things if it was not about a real person who had such a huge following it might have been easier to, to change the story and to change it but you, you can't do that so it's an extra piece of uh, drama added to it. And responsibility. Yeah, I get it. That's a good point. You, you were mentioning that, like, you know, the, the, the relationship with the director. So how is that different uh, when compared to working on TV shows? Oh, very different. The amount of time you spend with a director on a television show is very short. They get like four days max. I think some shows might be a little longer. Some might be a little shorter. Me and Casey spent three and a half months in Boston together in the cold. And it's, it would be, so it's a kind of bond you, you uh, create when you're just suffering, you know, just like I'm from California and I was in Boston in the winter for three months and I was miserable and I was making a film 
um, with someone I admire very much. So it's it's just very it's very different because it's the pace is slower. You have so much more time to spend working on the script with the or sorry, working on the the cut with the director. So it's very different. We can try everything. So do you have a preference? No, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to say that I have a preference because I I like them both for different reasons. I don't think I could do okay two films back to back. I would need a break in between, <laughs> for sure, a big <laughs> okay. break. Yeah. Okay. Funny enough, I, I've heard that. Like, uh, for example, Simon Smith, the editor of uh, Chernobyl, under um, I like Simon. You know him great. So he told me that he likes between films. He likes to work work on his own stuff. So, for example, like a few months ago, I think he, I, I think it's not released yet even, but he has finished his short film. I would love to do that. I don't know how he does that. I, like, I don't I know just, either. I don't know how he does that. I, I have to like turn my brain off for a while and just like spend time with family, go lay on a beach and be quiet somewhere. Um, and then I, I also have a problem with not working. Like I'm always working. Um, this is, this is the first hiatus, like real hiatus I've had in years. And, and that's so, but I don't know how he does that. Films take a lot out of you. They take a lot out of you. Yeah, yeah. I admire that about him as well. About that, like, I I, I think I've, I've seen an interview with you where you talked about um, how important work ethics is to you. Can you talk a little bit about that aspect? So what falls under under that umbrella of work, work ethics for you, for an editor that you think is, like, crucial for, to have, a, like, a, like a, you know, good career, so to speak? Well, I have a lot of assistant editors ask me that as well because, you know, they, they, they want to be hired by editors. And I, for me, work ethic is like the number one thing I look for in them. And it's because I have such strong work ethic and I'm so, I need, I need you to kind of match that, you know, when you come work for me. But I, I grew up with, you know, my mom and my grandmother were just, such great role models when it came to like, like I saw my mom was a, a single parent and she had me and my older brother. She, you know, put herself through nursing school, came out and just work, 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 work. And all of that was out of necessity because she needed to take care of us. <laughs> she had, you know, and, and, and she wanted to, you know, build a life for herself. Um, so I kind of was like, that was kind of imprinted in my head very early on. It's like, if you want to get something done, you have to work your ass off. Um, and I think no matter how talented you are, if you're not willing to really work for things, then nothing will, nothing will come. So I, I, as an editor, I'm very like, I'm not trying to kill myself in an edit bay. You know, I need sleep. <laughs> I will, I will get sleep. I will eat healthy. I go to the gym. I, on the weekends, I will take time to myself. I try to be outside as much as possible. I go hiking or something like that. But when it's time to work, I'm very focused and it's, it's, it's about the work. Um, and I want everything I do to be a reflection of me in a positive way. So. I think when people work with me, they find that it's like I'm very on top of things, work very hard, easy to get along with. I'm not stressed out. Casey said that all the time. She was like, how are you not as stressed as me? <laughs> and I'm like, well, because everything will be fine. 
like everything will be fine. It's like, how do you know that? And I'm like, because I'm going to work really hard and, and then it's going to be fine. And, um, that was kind of like a, the kind of a way that I sort of my philosophy on it is like, well, all I can do is the best I can do. And I will work really hard to do that. And in the end, we'll walk away proud because. The work ethic was there. <laughs> so I already know that she loved working with you because, like, uh, it's the best thing for an editor to be like a like someone that the director can rely on, like you know, and like uh, treat like a psychologist to some extent. Who basically, I, I have a better way to put it, who keeps their moral high, right? Basically, yeah. And I'm I'm very uh, strict. Like she's not, she's a little more emotional than I am. I'm not very emotional. So like whenever we had a problem come up, I just go to the logical solution first. And I don't, I'm very calm and I don't sit in the problem too long. I go, okay, this is the problem. How do we fix it? Um, so she did like that because me and her were like yin and yang. <laughs> it's just the opposites. <laughs> and so I think she did enjoy that. That's interesting. That's interesting. I also want to talk a little bit about, uh, first of all, prep work. So what do you do once you knew that you landed the work on, you know, Whitney Houston, Houston movie, right? What was your prep work, first of all? And secondly, I, I want to talk about like technical aspects of putting the scene together, the initial cut, the rough cut. How do you go about like select reels and putting that first uh, rough cut? But l- let's maybe start with the prep work question. Once I realized I, I or once I found out that I got the film, I read the script again. Um, and I knew they were actually still working on the script, but we were going to shoot. They were going to start shooting in a month. So there wasn't a whole lot of time to, to prep, but I just go through the script thoroughly. And I do, I try to visualize in my head. Okay. What is, what is this going to look like? What do I need from it? Um, and if there's a way I can let Casey know what I think editorially will need from it. I should do that now. So I start, you know, marking up the script. There's my scripts always have tabs all over them and notes everywhere and anything I was confused about um, as far as motivation or where the character might be. I would ask, ask Casey about it. That's that's kind of the extent of the prep because this is a movie about Whitney Houston. Like I said, I watched a lot of interviews because I knew Whitney Houston. <laughs> I grew up listening to her, loved her to death. Um, she outsang everybody all the time. I thought I was so impressed by Whitney Houston. Um, but Whitney Houston, the person, I didn't necessarily know that well. So just sort of watched interviews from the 80s in, in order from the 80s all the way up to the 2000s and just tried to get to know her as much as possible. And then you just start speaking to department heads and, you know, going, what are we looking for? There's a lot of VFX in the film. So. There was a lot I had to wrap my hand around and go, okay, this scene is going to look like this one day, <laughs> but <laughs> right now it's just going to, it's probably going to be this. So a lot of discussions about how that was going to be shot and what the plan was for things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that script stage, you said you were taking notes and things like that. Did you have like suggestions about like coverage that she needs to take or something like that? Yeah, there was a couple of scenes. Or even when we first got dailies back, there was a couple of, uh, a couple of scenes where it was just like, okay, well, in the script, it, you know, it's, it's sort of 
matter of fact, sort of written matter of fact, but I can't, I can't gauge what the emotional response from Whitney is in this scene. Um, so I would, you know, I would just suggest a close up here and there. I'm like, I just, can we, can we get something close? Um, get something single, not, you know, not dirty, not over, but just something on her. So, so that I can play with it. But the other things like the, uh, musical performances were well planned out and Barry, the DP, uh, was running three cameras all the time. So, <laughs> yeah, so he, the coverage was there. <laughs> we had, we had the coverage. Um, but then that also meant, you know, sometimes the cameraman was in someone else's shot and there was a lot of uh, things like that. So once we started getting dailies in, I had more questions and suggestions and just being like, hey, I'm noticing this. You know, is there is there a way to make this a little bit, you know, better um, tomorrow <laughs> or, or next week when you shoot this scene? Yeah, that type of thing. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm asking like kind of for a selfish reason because like the director that I edited a short film for, uh, he told me that next time he wants to bring me on earlier in the process, like before he he actually um, starts shooting the film, right? And I was, I know that he expects me to next time to do this like kind of like almost like workout shortlist together, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm kind of like asking how how did you go about it i came on um a little too late for that but i think it's smart i think it's um you know that obviously the director is going to do whatever they want to do it's their it's their vision there are times in the edit in the there's times in the cut room where i would try something and in my head i would go but that's not really her style that's not casey's style and then i would you know I'd show it to her and I'd go, but I know that's not what you normally do. <laughs> you know? so, and so there's, there's that, you know? So I think that like, you're, you're never going to have that prep time with a director in, in which you're like, oh, you should get this shot and then it should do this. And then it should do that. I think what, what you normally do is just go, here's what I think I need for this scene. And then they'll shoot it how they want mm-hmm. to shoot it. True. True. Or they'll have an idea or they'll have an idea about something and you'll be like that, you know, that might not cut with this. So if you're going to do it, like there was a lot of times in the VFX for this movie where I would ask the VFX people, can you slow the camera down at the end so that it can come to a complete stop? Otherwise, it's not going to cut when I go to the next shot, you know, that type of thing. So like that type of prep is what you might end up doing. Well, that's interesting as well. I have never worked with like a VFX team yet. So <laughs> it's fun. <Yes. laughs> we had a great BFX team. I like them a lot. They're really cool. They're all in London, but they were they were great. <laughs> so you've mentioned that it was like a multicam shoot, right? So uh that makes this question about like the process of assembling a scene even more interesting to me. How how were you watching dailies if it was like a multicam? Did you watch it as a multicam sequence as well? Or did you watch like every camera separately and then like how, how did you work out your select reels i i watched everything uh as a multi-cam and i had i had three monitors up so i would have like one monitor playing something and another one playing something else but in avid oh that's that's beautiful yeah I, but in avid i would just watch the grouping we did super groups for the performances of it editor friend of mine, Peggy, who worked on a, a musical for Ryan Murphy called Prom. Uh, 
she she actually gave me that idea. She was like, you should super group every performance so you can see every take all at once, which is great when it came to editing the performance because you could just switch camera bangs and go, okay, this is what we did, this is what we did, this is what we did, and not have to sit and go back through everything. That's a great idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was really great. It saved so much time. But yeah, I, I watch everything. I'm used to watching every bit of dailies. So I worked on things like a Black Lady Sketch Show where there was a lot of improv and things like that. So I'm just used to making sure I watch absolutely everything. And I like it. So I watch everything down once every take and then I'll go back through it and watch it again and start grabbing things that I really like moments that I really like line reads that I really like and I'll throw throw those in a bin and then of course there's a script supervisor who told me what the director really likes (laughs) so then you know I'll make sure I have I have her selects lives they live somewhere and I'll usually go with those first because that's, you know, Casey's already decided that she likes that that reading and think that performance or, you know, for whatever reason. And then, yeah, I start building the scene. I usually start with the end of the scene first and I'll start to build the end of a scene and, you know, go, okay, here's where, here's the point of this scene. It's like, what is this scene about? And then I'll, I'll build that moment first and then I'll work backwards to get us to get to that moment. Um because that's for me, that's like the most important moment of the scene is like what what we're going to leave the scene with when we go to the next scene. Um, so I want to make sure I get that right. And then I'll work backwards. And I also did I did a lot of um, it was scary because this is my first feature film. And I was working with Casey Lemons. And the day I showed her my editor's cut, I was like sweating because we watched it in a theater I had added all kinds of temp music. I, you know, temp score. I put in a Luther Vandross song. <laughs> I, I was like, because in my head, I was like, it's a movie about Whitney Houston. So the only other people that should be in it are like legends. Like you shouldn't use any other music. If it's not a legend, they can't be in the movie. So I had like Luther Vandross in there and um, for this very particular moment. And it was, it was a it was a risk, you know. I took a swing, and I was like, "She's either going to watch this four hour cut and fire me, or <laughs> or she's going to watch it and 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 be impressed." There was a point where the Luther Vandross song started to play in the movie, and she looked over at me, and I looked at her, and she was like, "I'm smiling," <laughs> and I was like, "Ah," oh. I was like, "Ah, oh, thank God, I'm not fired." <laughs> But yeah, so there's, I, I, I definitely, I grab score from John Williams and uh, Thompson Newman. And I was like really just trying to set the tone for the film. So the editor's cut felt like this big, sweeping, completed film. Um, and in the end, she was like, I'm impressed. She was crying and she was like, I'm impressed. And I was like, wow, wow. <laughs> live to fight another wow. day. <laughs> But it was it was terrifying. It was terrifying. I was like, you could have just, I, you know, talking to myself, I was like, you could have just put the movie together and not did all the extra stuff. Like, but that wouldn't have been me. I'm, I'm a little extra. <laughs> That's perfect. I, I love the story. I think like the first cut is always terrifying. It's terrifying uh, <laughs> for an editor at least because you always have that like clash of expectations with reality and. 
it's always it's always nerve-wracking <laughs> yeah it was i was just like oh she was like how long is the movie i was like it's pretty long and i was like it's like four hours and something she's like oh okay i thought it would be five <laughs> i was like okay great <laughs> at least the expectation oh, was yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well she's made you know she's made six films she knew exactly when she read the script she was like this is this is long. <laughs> she has enough experience to know. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's the process. Yeah. Yeah. And to trust in the process as well. Right. Trusting the process. Yeah. For sure. yeah. 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 And Daisha, I just want to ask you, like, you know, uh, what's next for you? Like, do you have, you said you, you're on a hiatus right now. Right. So what are you like, you know, you, what are your plans? What, what are the maybe stories that you want to edit or filmmakers that you want to work with? Oh, there's so many filmmakers that I want to work with. Right right now, I am taking a break. I think I'm just going to hang out for a minute, like for the holidays, because it's December. And I was like, not really point in me trying to start something right now. I might as well just enjoy the holidays. Um, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to calm down for a little bit. Uh, but there's a couple of things I'm looking at possibly starting early next year. Um, but there's, there's so many like really cool filmmakers that I would love to work with. I love Hero who directed like 90% of uh, Atlanta on FX. I just, I think that whole team, Atlanta is like one of the best shows I've ever seen. And I, I think it's uh, even the team that did the bear. I think I love stuff like that. And um, I would love to do like uh, my own mayor of East town, which is like this, you know, just some crazy suspenseful mini series. Um, we'd love to do something like that, but I, I really love sci-fi. And so I've always been trying to, to get into that, to cut something really cool. I love cutting action. We'd love to get to do that soon. So very open to what's what's next but we'll be taking a break do you, do you plan to write your stuff in the future as well your own stuff yes i mean this i'm mean, asking the question because i think like to me i'm an awful writer uh, i am but my impression is always that it's like it's important skill for an editor to try to to get better at i'm doing like you know the best i can to get better at it so yeah I'm, so just asking because of that Asking because of that reason, like, do you do you do you write? I do. I I used to write much more, um, and I I stopped because I just started working, 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 working. But I think I think you know you feel like there's a story that you need to tell. I think that like I can tell that that's in me. I just need to access it somehow and uh, like go have time to write it and not you know fill up all my time um with work so it's just about time that's why i was like i can't believe simon just is like you know i feel like there's there's some people that can do that like just turn things out and it's like they can turn it on and it's like oh yeah you know and then i'll write something and i'm like oh this is great and then i'll read it three months later i'm like that is trash what is wrong with you <laughs> that is so bad <laughs> so like i need like i need some sort of checks and balances for for my writing <laughs> one day one day yeah, yeah, one day. I, I, I say to myself the, the same thing, so <laughs> I understand. We'll all do it one day, you know, and then it'll be terrifying. It's like putting, I'm already terrified about this movie coming out. Imagine putting like, 
your own personal story out. Exactly. Well, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's why, especially for writers, di- directors, like I have like a huge respect, enormous respect because, yeah, because it's not only that they have like the most difficult, as- the, 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 like, jobs <laughs> but also like the the they put themselves out there yeah i was i was talking to a, a writer who he he wrote some of that last batman film that just came out he was like one of the writers on that and he the next thing he was doing he was directing it and it's like a sci it was a sci-fi movie and um but the an- analogy there was clearly something personal and he he wrote it and he was like you know his team was like it's so personal that only you can direct it and so he directed it and i was like god and i told him at the end of like this conversation we had i was like you know thank you for letting me read the script because it felt very personal (laughs) this is i couldn't imagine you know using like the sort of allegories and and but underneath it all it's a very personal story about his life and people are just gonna go watch it on netflix like i don't I was just like i can't you know in my head i can't like wrap myself around it because i i'm a very private person too so i think that's probably part of the reason why i don't i don't really do it it's scary okay uh Beisha, is there anything that you want to add to the conversation or maybe like the message to the editing community community editing community is uh probably the best community in this business and they are clever and smart and uh they don't need me to tell them anything <laughs> i think part of it is because like by design we are like lonely people to some extent <laughs> so when we when we get a chance to talk to uh other editors we we like doing it and and it's about something we really like editing is like a passion so it's like exactly. we to, to sit yeah. and get, get to talk about it it's really fun yeah this has been great thank you you, you don't do it on, unless you're obsessed about it yeah <laughs> so you you have to be completely obsessed there there like i said i was sitting at 3 a.m trying to figure out how to fix the end of the movie <laughs> so like and you don't you don't do that unless you are uh Absolutely obsessed. The thing with Daisha that really stood out to me from the interview was kind of stuff that we've talked about before with other editors and directors, that relationship about how a director is very emotional and an editor has to be logical, kind of like focusing on the story. Daisha's example of that kind of to a T being like, the director she worked with was very emotional and she had to be the logical person to be like, this is Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. needs to be done. This is the problem. Let's take care of it rather than ruminating on it to like just spin out of control, which I thought was, I think that was kind of the first time that we heard an editor actually say that to show that very distinct line of the roles. And it's not to say that like, you know, you can't be emotional as an editor or you can't be logical as, as a director, but as an editor, you have to be like, you know, solution oriented. I think that's the, that's the main takeaway that, that she was like trying to convey. Right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course that, that was wonderful. I also love the, you know, the, the approach that she had to doing the training montage in the film. I thought like it was, uh, so insightful because it makes so much sense. I haven't seen the film yet, yet it makes so much sense to to place um, a training montage in a film like this. 
to have this like you know struggle period for someone at least like even if it wasn't there to just to, just to craft something that will have that this emotional response from the audience right yeah so i i love this i loved the idea of like you know rocky style yeah, <laughs> i don't yeah. know if it's rocky style but still like <laughs> training montage uh yeah yeah, that, yeah that's a great that's a great one there's something to be said about that emotional hook to show the progression of that character from one thing to another thing and it may be a trope of some sort but at the same time it's it works really well and people follow along the story much better in that way and it's what the, what's, it's what the audience wants, really. Um, another thing that I thought was really interesting was that Daisha had, had said that when she works a scene, she starts from the end and works her way backwards, mm-hmm. which yeah. kind of blows my mind because I'm so used to like doing stuff chronologically. Like, okay, this is, we're going to start here and then we're going to, we're going to work out the problem until we get to the solution. Two plus two equals four yeah. rather than, okay, what's four? And then what does what do we need to separate to make that answer? So I thought that was really yeah. interesting. And also, I think a first uh, editor who has talked about um, editing scenes in that way. Yeah, yeah. Actually, funny thing is that like a few days ago, I published my interview with Walter March on Cut to the Point YouTube channel. And he does give an example of another editor who does it the same way, like starting backwards, editing a scene backwards. So that's... That was kind of funny that like, you know, very close to each other. They, they both like said to me the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. It's, 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 it's kind of proves the point of there's really no wrong way in regards to how you yeah. do things. Definitely. Um, anyway, we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. As always, we want to hear from you. Um, we're going to start working on the second season of Cut to Reveal, which is going to be probably very different from the first season. We cannot tell you what secrets we will unveil when it comes out, but it's going to be a little <laughs> but bit if different. You have ideas, yeah. But if there's things then that you want to hear, you're open to them. Exactly. So, um, in the description, there's links for the Speakpipe, so that you can leave us a voicemail of sorts. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Cuts Reveal, as well as we have an email address, so you can email us directly. Please don't hesitate to reach out about anything to improve the show or how we can improve as podcast hosts or even the subject matter or ideas. Um, we would love to hear from you. And with that, happy new year. Yeah. Happy new year and happy holidays. So take care, everybody. <laughs>